0: We also pray for Shannon Melquist, who's wearing a Patriots jersey this morning, (laughs) that she would find the Lord, (laughs) and (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, in all seriousness, this is the last Uh, The last, like, new material sermon in the Proverbs series, okay? Next week, what we will do is, um, we will do a kind of a wrap-up of all of, like, the primary points on the wisdom of God that we've been studying the last eight weeks, uh, kind of a wrap-up of those points, but also... um, We understand that there's been a lot of questions that have been that have kind of come to the surface during this series, and so while we don't always have the opportunity to answer specific questions about maybe something that the Lord has brought into your heart or mind or life during this specific series, we're going to make opportunity to do that next week um, uh, during the service. So it's not. To be like a hey stand up and ask your question because um, we don't want to put anyone on uh, the spot but we're going to have several opportunities during the week this week for you to send in your questions both by social media and through text message or email that will allow you to kind of maybe ask a question in advance and then if there are a bulk of questions that kind of like focus around the same area in the wisdom of God that we've been looking at in Proverbs, then um, we'll we'll try to answer those as best as we can. So, be looking for those uh, be looking for those ways that you can send your questions in. If you don't follow Conduit Ministries on social media, either on Instagram or Facebook, I'd encourage you to do that. Uh, and that's going to be a primary way that we begin to communicate how you can how you can send those those questions in. Okay. Um, so, the wisdom, wisdom of God, there, we do a lot of wise things in life, and we do a lot of foolish things in life, and we've been talking throughout this series about how there is a definite difference between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God, and <clears throat> something that the world says may be normal, and how you would handle this situation and what you would do given these circumstances, um, the wisdom of God, the wisdom we see in His revealed Word in Scripture, sometimes says the complete opposite. Uh, <clears throat> and so, we want to be able to discern what it is that we should be doing, should be avoiding, and how we should be um, how we should be applying God's Word to our lives. On a day to day basis, in some really practical realities, there is perhaps not a more practical arena where we need some good, a good dose of godly wisdom than money. Because if there is one way that, or if there is one um, area where we tend to make really foolish decisions, decisions that are, um, that are guided by a, a wisdom outside of God's word. It's money, and oh man, let me tell you. You don't have to. You don't have to tell me <laughs> how, uh, for some reason, taboo a topic money has become in the church. Um, I've been doing this for a bit now, and I've heard every um, every. Argument. I've heard every bit of opposition. I've heard every accusation of the church or churches being um, organizations that just want your money. Um, I I've I have heard it all, and in some regards, I think some of those accusations are fairly accurate. Really, what we always have to do is consider the balance between um, the the balance between simply what our responsibility is as a church and myself as a pastor, what may be be kind of like an ideological bent, like, oh, I just want to, I have a chip on my shoulder and I want to talk about it, and so then I go and do it. And what my responsibility is as a man who has dedicated um, my life up until this point and um, going forward to simply saying, um, my responsibility is to communicate to you uh, the truth of God's word. And to think that somehow um, <clears throat> money is a subject that should be um, should be hands off or should be avoided in the church. Um, it uh, honestly, rather than scaring me personally away from talking about that, it kind of puffed me up with this like a, well, What is it then that is so deeply personal and spiritual about the way that we view money that we don't want the Lord to touch it? We'll take His wisdom on relationships, we'll take His wisdom on our marriage. We'll take his wisdom on parenting. We'll take his wisdom on hard work. I mean, we can go through the whole series. We'll take his wisdom on anger. We'll take his wisdom on integrity. We'll take his wisdom on fearing God. We'll take his wisdom on giving and receiving advice. But hey, whoa, 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 whoa now, Lord. You're not no CPA, right? Like, I don't need your wisdom on money. Like, I don't, I don't need that. That's kind of, that's a little personal, don't you think, God? It's a little personal. Um, I think it's foolish. I think it's foolish. I think that if we are uh, going to live a life that seeks to honor and please the Lord in every area, in every corner that we possibly can, that we, we must allow the Lord and his word to speak into our lives, even in the areas where we are uncomfortable And so, um, we're going to talk this morning on um, wisdom for money. And I don't. Um, this this is certainly not an exhaustive look at money in the Scripture or even in Proverbs. I understand that you I, we could preach a whole series on money, on generosity, on tithing, on giving, on. All that there is about money, but we're not going to get that way or that deep this morning. But I do believe that God has a few things um, uh, to speak to us today. Here's what I'll say in general is that there is, nothing, there is nothing wrong with money. It is not something that we should be afraid of. It is not something that we should avoid. Acquiring. But I will say this, that money is a, it is a servant. Money is a servant that God has given us to control, not a master that is meant to control us. That money, money is a tool. it is not an end. It is a, it is a thing, that is used in order to to propel the mission of God in the world, and not something that should be the sole focus of our acquisition. Uh, Scripture speaks on um, many fronts about where money comes from, or where, you could say it even a little bit more, generically where resources come from or where everything that we have, every single thing that we possess comes from. Where do we get it from, right? Um, because, because certainly nothing that we have originated with us, right? Really in the end, if you, if you distill life down into absolutely every single thing that I have it didn't originate with me right yeah I, I I may have I may have worked hard and earned a paycheck which has given me the ability to um, buy groceries or pay for my mortgage or um, buy a vehicle or whatever whatever the case may be but but it's it's not as if that um, all of a sudden, like a Genesis chapter one in Cameron's life, I spoke and resource came into existence. Right? It started somewhere else, it came from some other place. Now, um, David. In the Psalms, he has this really short little verse at the beginning of Psalm chapter 24, verse 1, where he just wants to remind everyone, right, of of who exactly it is that we're dealing with here. Where he says, the earth is the Lord's. And, And by the way, and everything in it is his. The earth is the Lord's. Everything that is in it. Everything that has been, been created from beginning to end, it belongs to him. It belongs to him. Now, when it, when, it comes to, when it comes to anything, right? But especially when it comes to money. I think it's really important that we understand um, this crucial point is that we should always trust the giver more than we trust the gift. So if we if we have this attitude that everything that we have including our money does not did not originate with us, does not truly belong to us, but has been given to us as a gift ultimately and eternally, from God our Father. Yes, maybe do our hard work. I'm. Last week we preached a whole sermon on the benefits and virtues of Christian hard work, right? But ultimately that, that everything that we have, including our money, has been given to us as a gift from God, right? That it's important that we understand that the gift, especially in money, but in all things, the gift is not even close to as important as the one who gives it. The giver is always better than the gift. There's this, um, I think it's an old song, uh, but it's from a psalm, Psalm chapter 20 verse 7, with the the song and the psalm goes a little something like this. Some trust in chariots, right? Some trust in horses, but what? But I trust in the name of the Lord our God. Anyone know that song? Okay then. Well, well, there's a psalm, I should say, that uh, King David wrote. Psalm chapter 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Now why, why in the world would it be important for us to make this distinction? That we should always trust in the giver of the gift and not in the gift itself. Why is it that we should put our trust in chariots and in horses but that if we are going to if we are going to put our trust in something if we are going to stand on the solid ground of something trusting in something why can't I trust in the contents of my or the contents of my home or the contents of uh, my retirement or my occupation or whatever the case may be why can't I trust in in that. Well, if there's one thing that scripture tells us, if there's one thing that life tells us, it's this, is that everything material eventually is gone. That every single thing that you have Everything that you own, everything that you can put your hands on, every every hope or plan or dream that you may have in the future of this life eventually will be no more. And what we want is, as, as men and women who are seeking to follow and trust in God, is the things that we hold most dear are the things that should last forever. Those are the things that we want to hold most tightly to. That is where we are, want to be spending our time. That's where we want to be spending our resources. That's where we want to be spending our money, is in the places where moth and rust will not destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. Jesus had something to say about this, um, for instance, in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. He says this, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Jesus saying here that where you invest your resources matters. It's not a flippant decision. It's not a decision that should be taken lightly. That, that there are places where you can invest your money, where you can invest your time, where you can invest your resources, where your investment will eventually fade away it will eventually crumble into the earth and be no more. And if anything, I think that each and every one of us if given the opportunity to invest in something that never fades away or to invest in something that lasts forever, would choose to invest in the thing that lasts. We want to see we want to see our our investments come to maturity, right? That's the language that Is used. And the way in which to do that is to invest in the places where we know the return is eternal. Some other places in Scripture, specifically in Proverbs, the book that we've been studying through, Proverbs chapter twenty-three, verses four. And five Again, if you don't know where Proverbs is, but have a Bible with you, just kind of open to the middle of your Bible and you're likely either going to hit Psalms or Proverbs. If you hit Proverbs, great job. If you hit Psalms, just go to the right and you'll hit Proverbs eventually. But Proverbs chapter 23, um, verses 4 and 5, we see the the this wisdom, this investment principle wisdom being played out here in the Proverbs verse 4, it says, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have wisdom and restraint. Cast but a glance at riches, and they're gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Riches are a thing that given just a glance, just a moment in time where you where, you, where you where your attention is diverted just momentarily, that's how long it takes for them to grow wings and fly off like an eagle. What's the point here? Is that they're here today and gone tomorrow. That they are temporary. That they don't Last And so what the writer of Proverbs says is like, look, don't wear yourself out. Don't wear yourself out striving for, like wrapping your mind around, being anxious over, orienting your entire life around how do I get more? How do I secure my financial future? Where... Where can I make an extra buck? Because they are fleeting. Look, you could go back to the Scripture, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Where we put our trust is incredibly important. And when you say, well, what do you mean put your trust? Like, trust is a, It's kind of a can be a loaded term, right? Can be a really loaded word. What does it mean to trust? Well, if I don't okay, so let's say that I trust. My trust is in my money. My trust is in my job. My trust is in my retirement. Like, what do you mean? How do I know if I'm trusting in something, right, in an unhealthy in an unhealthy way? And while that is a big question and kind of a loaded question, I think I do think that there are some real simple questions that we can consider, ask the Lord to ask the Lord to reveal in our heart about those things. Like where okay, where do you put your trust? Well, where is your hope, where does your hope sit? When you, when you think about your future. When you think about your future, um, what type of thinking or converse internal conversations do you have? Talking, you are you thinking about like um, where you're gonna be 10 years financially, when you're gonna, where you're gonna be 15 years financially, where you like what what does your future rely upon? Does like the future rely on the breadth and width and depth and diversity of your Portfolio, or your job performance, or your place at work, or where you are on the ladder. What are your what 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 makes you make plans for the future? What considerations do you use when making plans for the future? What are the, what is the thing that you constantly find yourself in pursuit of? What do you trust in? What is your, what, what is the sun that you are, that you rotate around? That's what you trust. And the thing is here is that there is, there is danger in trusting in things that will eventually fade away. That will eventually be gone. And not just from the practical level, Right? There's not just, it's, it's not just dangerous because it's something that's going to fade away, but, but there is something dangerous to our souls when we trust in anything other than the Lord. When we, when we, when we put our hope, our future, our plans, or our pursuits on, on any target other than Jesus Christ, we put ourselves not just in practical danger, we put ourselves in eternal danger our our soul can be poisoned in that moment the writer of proverbs says in chapter 11 verse 28 says this whoever trusts in his riches will fall will fall but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf what an awesome picture There's three things, three main things that I want us to take away about this this morning. It's these three things, okay? When it comes to money, number one, don't trust it. Don't trust it. Two, when it comes to money, earn it honestly. We'll talk about that in a moment. right? And number three, give it generously. Don't trust it. Earn it honestly. Give it generously. Here are three points we're going to talk about this morning. We've already talked about why, uh, why and how we can't trust it or why we shouldn't trust it. It's temporary, it's going to go. It's not, it, it, does not, it does not return an eternal investment. Okay? Number two, Earn it honestly. Um, here's a reality: when it comes to when it comes to money, how you earn it matters. It really matters. Um, not not in like a um, well. Does that mean I can't have a um, minimum wage uh, job or something like that? I, I can't have a menial job like it matters how I earn my money. No, that's not what I'm saying, right? I'm I'm not saying that there are good jobs and bad jobs, right? Although we could make a case that there are sometimes some bad jobs, right? (laughs) What I'm saying is that the heart by which we go, the heart by which we acquire what it is we have matters. It absolutely matters. And what we're going to see in Scripture is that when we acquire Wealth, or riches, or money—in a way that dishonors God—we put our soul in danger, and it's going to get taken from us. Usually, in a way that's very painful. Usually, in a way that like pulls the carpet out from underneath our feet. Now, the the common um, the common response to this is, "Well, you know, look, it, it doesn't matter." Like. I have this job, I have got to provide for my family. And so, you know, I know that it's maybe not the most righteous way uh, to go about providing for my family or not the most responsible way to go about providing for my family, but, but look, I've, I've got to provide for my family. And what I will say is this, is that provision is not the highest aim of earning money. Provision is not the highest aim of earning money. Generosity is the highest aim of earning money. That in scripture, provision is not held as the highest aim for you as you consider earning money. What we're going to see in a little bit is that what scripture unequivocally says is that what God has, he entrusts to you so that you may be increasingly generous. And if you go about acquiring things in a way that is dishonest or without Christ-like character, then God does not trust you to use his resources in a way that benefits others. And so you're not going to get it. It's going to be removed from you. We have a few, um, a few scriptures here that I want to touch on from Proverbs. The first is Proverbs 21, verse 6. The scripture says that a fortune that has been made by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor And a deadly snare. A fleeting vapor and a deadly snare. It goes away fast, right? Called dirty money. Dirty money flees away like a vapor, it's a snare that catches you and traps you in a place that you don't want to be. Proverbs 13, 11, dirty money is a a fleeting vapor, a deadly snare, and in verse 11 of chapter 13, dishonest money dwindles away. But he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Here's, here's a, um, here's a, like probably the most practical and captain obvious way, um, sermon point you've ever had in your life. It's this: um, hard work, persistence, and intentionality increases wealth. Dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Hard work, persistence, intentionality. Money will grow. It's not an unspiritual principle. It's not an ungodly thing to talk about the growing of wealth. It's not an. It's not somehow a. Um, wealth is not something that we should be afraid of, or want to avoid. Or think that somehow if we are wealthy, if we've made good decisions, if we've worked really hard, if we've been intentional and persistent with the way that we've managed our money and the risks that we've taken, the things that we have given ourselves to, and that, and that we've been blessed financially by that, that somehow we should feel guilty or dirty because we have an abundance. Because scripture is really clear about the way that wealth is gained, about the way that wealth is matured. And it doesn't say, avoid all wealth, avoid all riches, avoid all abundance. It says, hey, look, there's a way to go about it. And the ways in which you go about it are, um, the ways in which you go about it matters. Finally, in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 19 The writer says, such is the end of all who go after ill-gotten gain. Can you all track with what that that means? Ill-gotten gain, kind of a mouthful, but ill-gotten gain. Dishonest ways of earning or acquiring money. Such is the end of those who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the lives of those who get it. You may reach your financial goal and destroy your soul in the process. Destroy your life in the process. Destroy your character in the process. Destroy your integrity in the process. Destroy your generosity in the process. Invariably, uh, this question comes up even in my own life and in my own heart. It's like, okay, Lord, um, we know, I know, that you need money to live. Right? You need money to live. And, um, And I also know that in some respects... The more money you earn, the more money you make, the more opportunity you have. Um, also understood. So Lord, I really want to work really hard and I want to earn good money, and I want to provide for my family and be a blessing to my family. Um, but Lord, how do I like, how do I walk that? How, how do I straddle both sides of the right of like maintaining a healthy relationship with money and work uh and and not wanting to fall into this practice of like worshiping either my abundance of money or the scarcity of money that i have like where is the distance where is the difference where's the balancing point um and um And I will say this, uh, that I believe the scripture um, talks really clearly about the purpose of our resources, the purpose of the things that the Lord entrusts to us, especially money. What What is the wall of protection around us having an unhealthy trust in money and earning it dishonestly? And I believe what the scripture says is the answer to that is extravagant generosity. What is the best protection against trusting in money or earning it dishonestly? Is to be extravagantly generous in what you do have. What scripture declares to us and what we're going to see here in a moment is that the worldly wisdom of save as much as you can, hoard as much as you can, keep as much for yourself as you can in order to get rich is actually backwards. And what godly wisdom proclaims to us is that um, that the more generous you are, the more you will be blessed with. Now, that's even itself kind of like a teeter-totter statement, right? Because what we don't want to do, right, what we don't want to do is say that, um, is that God's greatest desire for you is to make you rich. That God is going to bless you abundantly and financially, and if, if you are not um, wealthy to the brim right then you're obviously doing something wrong because that is far away from what scripture is talking about far away but there is also this like other like part of the teeter totter where where god where god is like i see i see this family right and i have i have pushed a little into their lives right and then I have watched them recognize where that comes from, where that has come from, and then I have watched them honor me, and bless my kingdom, and be generous to others, and help those in need with what I have given to them. And you know, you know what, ha- you know what, they have proven themselves trustworthy with this much. So there's good reason to believe that they will be trustworthy with this much, and then this much, and then this much, and then this much. You see, we think that bless, financial blessing in our life is all about God's like, all about how much God loves us, right? Like God, I'm obviously more faithful. I'm, I obviously believe God more. I, I, I obviously am, am walking more in the very center of God's will than the next person because I have an abundance of resources and I can buy whatever I want and blah, 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 blah. Right? I have no issues whatsoever. And it's not, that's not it. That's not it at all. Because generosity is not... A measure of how much you have. Right? You're not not considered generous if you have a lot and give a lot. It's not a measure of amount. Generosity is never a measure of amount. Generosity is a measure of heart. How do I view and see what I do have, not what I don't have? How do I view and see what I what I do have? Oh, I have, I have this much. Well, okay, it's it's only this much, but but gener- generosity is not a matter of what I do or don't have. It's simply a matter of what I desire to do with what I do have. What, what, what do I want to do with this? What do I want to do with this little bit that God has given to me? That is, a, that is the measure of generosity. Paul says, uh, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It's up on, it, you don't have to necessarily flip there. It will be up on the screen for you. But in writing this letter to the Corinthian church, he's writing, them, uh, he's writing to them about the commitment that they have made to support his missionary work in other um, cities and regions around the Mediterranean. So the Corinthian church said, yeah, Paul, we believe in your work. We believe it's kingdom focused. We believe that what you are doing is promoting like eternal investment in the lives of others. And so, man, hey, us Corinthians, we're really wealthy. We will give generously and support your missionary work so that you can go unencumbered by anything else. Go. Just go. Consider consider it funded. And so he's writing this portion of his letter all about, um, you know, sowing generously and reaping generously and giving generously. And he says these words, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 Verses ten through eleven, he says, "Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness." Oh, so like, so here is like this is like a promise from God, like abundance, blessing. More, 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 more. Thank you, Lord. It's all, thank you for giving it all to us. And then Paul, like, flips the script on them. In verse 11, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I hope you understand and hear the weight of what Paul is saying there. Paul says there is like look. Yeah, God will God will increase your store of resources. Absolutely. It's going to come in abundance. You will be made rich. So that, on every occasion, you may be extravagantly generous. And guess what your generosity will do. Guess what your generosity will do. He says in verse 11, it will result in thanksgiving to God. There will be men, women, and children that come to know Jesus Christ because you have given generously. There will be men, women, and children who experience the freedom of life in Christ, the overwhelming, overflowing, never ending grace and love of Jesus poured out upon every nook and cranny of their life because someone somewhere decided that what god has given to them they or they are going to be generous with it and you might never meet this person you might not never ever see this person but somewhere someday in some instance someone is going to say lord thank you thank you lord Thank you for saving me. Thank you for showing yourself to me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for, thank you for, thank you for Conduit Ministries. Thank you for that church. Thank you for those people who welcomed me, who loved me, who surrounded me in community, who taught me the word, who encouraged me in Jesus Christ. Thank you for them. And people are going to thank God because of an act of generosity that you displayed. Your giving, your generosity becomes immediately and completely connected to someone else's eternal trajectory. It does not happen by chance. It does not happen by accident. But it is a it is a pin point connection I'm going to close in Proverbs chapter 11 Verses 24 and 25. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. And he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed listen we don't we don't give we don't, we don't stand up at the end of service or on our way in and, and drop money in that bucket in the back there because, because we anticipate that if, if God sees me do this then then um, you know he's going to make me rich so much good or, or, or this is my like I have this obligation to do this," or, or "I feel guilty not doing this." Or, or if, um, if I don't, like the preacher's just going to stand up and rave like a lunatic about how um, he believes it's God's will that he have a new Cadillac and the church pay for it, you know? Not quite. But listen, don't, don't for one second, don't for one second believe that your investment, right? That that what God that what God gives you and entrusts you to invest into something that will last far beyond you and I far beyond any resource, anything that we could possibly have. Don't, don't believe for one second that it's unimportant. Don't believe for, for one second that something small is insignificant. Don't believe, don't believe for one second that because you don't have a lot that you have no ability to be generous. Quite literally... Right? Quite literally, lives hang in the balance. Quite literally, the kingdom, the, church, the big C church, not just conduit ministries here at 120 Delaware, but the, the big C church, conduit included, right? Like, our desire is to take the, the, the resources that are entrusted to us by God. And to use them in ways, modes, relationships, programs, buildings, um, uh, any anything that we could possibly think of, right? To, to take one person's hand and connect it to the hand of Jesus. That's all that we want. That's all that we want. Is to see lives changed by the gospel. To see Jesus transform people from, from point from point A all the way to point to point Z to see to see them radically encountered by a body that loves the Lord and desires to see them free. And so every gift of generosity every act of investment goes directly to that point. Now, like I said at the beginning of, uh, of the sermon today, next week we'll do kind of a, uh, a brief wrap-up of the sermon series so far, but as well as give uh, an opportunity to, <clears throat> excuse me, an opportunity for you to ask some questions, and so make sure you hook up with us on social media um, this week, and um, you'll be given opportunities to... Ask those questions in advance and we'll get to them next week. Let me pray for us as uh, the band comes up. Lord, we thank you uh, this morning for your word to us. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you, Lord, that we can see the ways in which you are working to transform our hearts and lives. And so, Father, I pray that as we consider what it means to be wise, as we consider what it means to embrace a godly wisdom over worldly wisdom that, that you would prevent our hearts from being closed to the areas that maybe are just difficult to talk about sometimes like money. Because Father we know that what you've given to us you've given to us not, for, uh, not with, a, with a string attached Lord but you've given it to us so that we might be a blessing to others. Lord, help us to be generous with with what you have given to us, knowing that it is our generosity, Lord, that produces blessing and abundance. Father, we trust you. All of our hope, all of our plans, all of our faith, all of our pursuits are in you. Lord, even if you never gave us a single thing, Lord, you are still worthy to be praised. You are not worthy to be praised because of what you have given to us, Lord. You are worthy to be praised because of who you are. You are holy. You are good. You are faithful. Thank you, Lord, for loving us, even in our most unlovable times. In Jesus' name, amen.